0: What is up say what family good morning good lunch time good afternoon good dinner time good whatever time you're listening to this podcast hello and welcome back I'm so excited to have you today, as always, I'm really pumped because we have a guest on the podcast today, which I feel like I've been having a lot of guests recently, and it makes me really happy because I I love recording the podcast, but it's way more fun when we're doing it with other people. So I'm recording a podcast today. Obviously, you're listening to this live, but the podcast I'm recording today is with um, Tori Beck. Tori, say hello. Hello, everyone. Tori is the Christian advocate on Instagram and I have shared some of her posts before. I'm sure you guys are familiar with her, but I've been following her for, I don't even know how, I feel like it's been a long time that I've been following you. I don't, don't even know how long, but I've been following Tori for a long time and I just love her account and all this, the posts that she makes, she just like talks about different kinds of conversations in a very like kind and loving way that is like room for discussion, but not in like a shameful way about, you know, Christianity, deconstruction, things happening in the world, purity culture, things like that. And so I have just loved her account and all the things that she posts about it. So I'm super pumped to have you today on the podcast, Tori. Thank you so much for spending some of your time with the Say What family. Thank
1: you. I'm so excited about this. I- I admire so much of what you do and how you do it. Um, I like, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts and just the values you have with like vulnerability and authenticity. I'm like, yes, those, (laughs) those things are such, they're, they're also so important to me. So. Wow.
0: Thank you so much. Well, why don't you just like, tell us a little bit about yourself, introduce yourself a little bit. This is mine and Tori's like first time, like virtually meeting too. So I'm excited to get to know you a little bit as well as the listeners. Yeah. So I am currently in grad school right now. I'm
1: almost done. I'm like a little over a month away from graduating. So I'm so excited about that. Um, So I'm getting a degree in counseling, um, specifically school counseling. Incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Excited to be finally working at some point. That's the hope anyway. You go to school for this long and then you you hope you get a job, right? Right, right. (laughs) Um, I hope this works out. Yes. So that's what I do. And then Um, Obviously, I run the Christian Advocate, um, just a space to talk about Christianity and fill in the blank. Um,
0: So there's a lot there. I
1: mean, there's mental health, social justice, all of those things.
0: Yeah. What, like, why did you start this account? And like, kind of what made you start having these, like, they're really incredible conversations that you're having with people. I personally, like, learn a lot from your account. And so what made you just, like, decide to start this? And this is also, like, a big, it's, like, a big deal to start an Instagram account, especially for something is, like, in the, like, area that you're in, where people can, people have a lot of very strong opinions. So what, what made you, like, okay, you're, you're, like, I'm just gonna, like, wake up and do this one day. Like, how did that start? What made you want to start it?
1: Yeah. Well, for years, I, like, as far back as I can remember, I've been a very opinionated person and I didn't always handle that in the best way. Mm. But, you know, you live and learn. And um, I think over the years, I've just kind of refined it to realizing I'm not trying to be argumentative. You know, a lot of people Mm. will be like, why do you have to argue about everything? (laughs) But that's not what I like. I don't see it that way. I see it as I need to learn and the way I'm going to learn about this is if I grill someone (laughs) on why they believe what they believe. So uh, so I've always kind of been that way. And last year, about a year ago, I just felt really alone and was like, you know, I feel like I'm the only one in the world who is thinking the way I'm thinking. I don't feel like there are any Christians around me who look like me in terms of the beliefs I was starting to um, take on and the perspectives. That I was like, you know, I I think that's more like Jesus than this. Mm. Uh, I felt very alone in that, and so yeah. last May I was like, all right, I'm going to start this account and see where it goes.
0: And I didn't tell anyone in my life.
1: Nobody knew about it. Yeah, we. I don't think just, your
0: name was on it for a while, right? Or maybe maybe your name was always might have been. But, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, but yeah, like I didn't tell
1: anyone. Um, I, I didn't show my face. That was one of the yeah, things.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it. I'm like, I don't even, yeah, yeah. I didn't know what you looked like <laughs> until this call, which is very fun. Right. <laughs> very pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
1: Um, yeah, and so it was a lot of things but that led to me creating this account, but um, I also think it's tapped into things like, you know, I have a passion for writing and I'm planning on writing at least one book. I, I think there will probably be multiple. Um, I love talking about controversial issues especially as they relate to the Christian church and how we should be acting and treating people as Christians.
0: Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. It's such a, such a good, important work that you're doing. Um, And I'm like super fan. So appreciate it and appreciate you being on. Um, That's awesome. Today, we are actually going to be talking about church hurt and deconstruction. Um, I have talked about like some of my experience with Church Chart before on the podcast, but haven't really got into it a lot. Um, I think partially because there's you know, still trauma that I feel like you're always working through if you've experienced some kind of church hurt. Um, And it, so it's just like not always the easiest thing to talk about. And so, but it is important to talk about it because there are so many of us who've experienced that and who are like going through like this deconstruction and all and things like that. And so I think it's really important for us to chat about. And so um I wanted to have you on today because I know you talk about um, deconstruction and church hurt a lot. And I was like, you know, I've, like I said, been following you for a while and I I remember one of your, your posts saying that like, you do not label yourself as a deconstruction account because you don't want to live in a state of deconstruction, which I love that like so much. Um, but that is what we're going to talk about today, but I'm not labeling you as that, but that is the conversation that we're going to have today, which I, but I do <laughs> just love that. You're like, I don't want to live in that kind of state of deconstruction. That's just kind of what, you know, we're going through. So that's why I'm talking about it. Um, which I think is so good. And so let's just like kind of start off our conversation today um, with some like definitions. So people, if they're like, I have absolutely no idea what you're talking about with um, deconstruction. What am I deconstructing? What does that even mean? And like church, hurt, I don't even know what you're talking about. So like, let's just like start off with defining kind of what we're talking about today with deconstruction. So what would you define deconstruction as?
1: Yeah, well there, I mean, I, I we've talked about this. Um, there's so many different views of deconstruction and what it is and I think for me and for what I've observed most in the deconstruction community is it's just a process of looking at what you believe, figuring out where that belief came from, if it's something that's beneficial, how it's affected you, how it's affected how you see yourself, how it's affected how you treat other people and seeing if that's something you still want to believe and a lot of people in deconstruction find a lot of beliefs that they no longer want to believe because they're harmful. And you know, if there's someone that they're still following Jesus, you know, a lot of those beliefs might not align with that kind of life. So it's really just the process of like, where did this come from? What's it doing? Is this good for me?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that it's like beneficial for all like people to kind of go through this at some point? Or do you feel like like a deconstruction is usually triggered by an event, like just in your like community, you know, like you said, the deconstruction community and and the other people you're talking to and following and stuff kind of, where do you see that mostly coming from? Like, do you think it's just like, you know, we get, we go, you know, we grow up in church and we grow up hearing all these things from, you know, our pastors and leaders in our communities, our parents. And then one day we're like 24 and we're like, what <laughs> what right, am I doing is right. that kind of how you see it mostly happen for people or is it really triggered by an event what is like I your think to that been? yeah
1: I think it's it's different for everyone I think in the deconstruction community that's usually how it goes it's usually something related to hurt or related to um how do I want to say like teachings that just aren't good yeah um, but that said I think everybody deconstructs mm-hmm. and we just don't talk about it like that But I think all of us at some point have thought, you know, these are the values my parents raised me with, or this is how my parent raised me. This is how they parented me. I think I want to raise my child differently. That's Mm -hmm. deconstruction. We all do that. Yeah. So I think it's more a part of our lives than we realize. And Mm -hmm. in like the religious deconstruction space, we just have more terminology for it.
0: Yeah. And why do you think, so as soon as you said that, like my brain kind of went to the place of like. I feel like just even the term deconstruction has like a really bad rap. Like, where do you think that? Like, would you agree? Like, do you think that too? Do you yeah. feel like it's got like a bad stigma around it? And I don't even know if I can like pinpoint like why I personally feel that way. I just feel like I've seen the word deconstruction a little bit. And it's made me like, even though mm-hmm. I have definitely gone through that myself. Like, I feel like it just gets like a bad rap. Like, do you like where do you feel like that comes from if you think that too?
1: Yeah, it does for sure. I think, I think it's, two main things I would say I would say one thing is deconstruction often has a lot of negative emotions surrounding it yeah. because it it's hard and it hurts and there's a lot of anger mm-hmm. and I think I don't know if that alone gives it this negative thing mm-hmm. a, a like negative idea in people's minds but I also think the way that people who are not deconstruction deconstructing talk about it mm-hmm. it's often in a negative tone and I've even seen that in my own life. Um, just people being like oh people are deconstruction deconstructing they just seem so angry and it's like well (laughs) yeah we are (laughs) we wish you were too right so I think that that's a lot of where it comes from and maybe for a lot of us I think this is true for myself coming from a background that viewed um, like atheists and people we didn't call it deconstructing at the time but people who were deconstructing we just saw them as like angry almost evil people Mm -hmm. and so even though we didn't use those words it's kind of like I think a lot of us growing up in this era now of deconstructing and having a word for it maybe there's that that part of us that's like oh I I don't know about that because it seems like all of these other things we've
0: been taught I also think too I don't know that I've ever really heard deconstruction being like oh my gosh that person's deconstructing that's right awesome. like it's not like you said the negative because it does come with a lot of like hard emotions I don't feel like a lot of us ever really talk about it in that you know place of like that's so awesome that you're deconstructing like you don't you're not you know talking about it in a high-pitched happy voice it's more of like are you okay because it is a hard thing and so I exactly, guess that's probably yeah. also why it gets a bad rap um and I think people also like misunderstand it as well um and i know that there's like you know i'm not super i false follow, follow some like accounts that do label them as like deconstructing accounts like I do follow some of those um and some are some are still Christian and some are not and so I do think that's maybe part of it as well a lot of people just automatically assume if you're deconstructing you're like out completely and it's like nope there's a lot of nuance to this like I'm just trying to like figure it out and see what I think and like really study and read and but there's like this idea of like oh well if you're deconstructing you're just like not a Christian anymore and you don't get it like I kind of feel like I see some of that from Christians like talking about other Christians who are deconstructing as well do you see that too like in some of your stuff
1: yes definitely um even in the deconstructing community I think we tend to conflate the words deconstructing and deconverting so you can deconstruct and not deconvert so and that's true for me Uh, although I did have a conversation with someone about this recently where I was like you know I do kind of feel like I deconverted because I'm so much different like my idea of what a Christian is is pretty similar like in this teeny tiny way but like everything else is different so in in some way I kind of feel like I deconverted mm-hmm. but I'm following Jesus and that's really important to me and a lot of the things that would probably get me labeled as like traditional or conservative or something like that in a lot of the deconstruction space
0: um yeah yeah when you say deconvert, can you expand on that a little bit? Do you mean oh, yeah. someone like leaving Christianity completely or like going even to a different religion? Like what do you, can you just explain that a little bit more?
1: Yeah. So deconverting usually means that someone just no longer believes whatever they believe before. Gotcha. Um, and that's, I think that's important to note too, is deconstructing is not just Christianity. There are, I mean, I've interacted with a lot of different people in, on Instagram who are from different religions that are deconstructing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's very common in fundamentalist spaces. So that can be a lot of different religions, but yeah, just walking away from or no longer believing what you believed before.
0: Yeah. And I think, and I think it's so good to point out that it's not just in the Christian space. I think, like you said, people have been deconstructing forever, but it just has recent, or I don't even know if it's recently become popular for me personally, I've recently seen it like be a popular thing. That doesn't mean it hasn't been talked about forever. I'm obviously just for me, it's been coming up in the last couple of years or so. Um, but yeah, like I even think like when I just and I don't talk about politics on here a ton. So say what friends you're going to be like, Hannah's talking about politics. Yes. Just bear with me for two seconds. Um, I, uh, I remember being like, gosh, 17. And I was like right around election time. And I remember I knew nothing about any of it. And so I was like, dad, what do you believe? Like, what are you? And he's like, He's like, well, me and you are pretty similar, right? And I was like, yeah, like we were pretty similar people, we're about the same person. He's like, okay, well, this is how I voted, and I was like, okay, so I just like voted the same. And then four years later, another, I, I'm growing. I was also 18, so when you're 18, do you even really know what you think? I do think a lot of people do. <laughs> I did not. And so, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then I'm like growing up and like tr- getting my own ideals and views, moving out, and I'm like, okay, let me really figure out, like what I think politically about things. And I definitely like deconstructed that and, you know, changed and adjusted. And, and personally, I think I grew in some of my ideals and things, but like, I definitely deconstructed, but I would have never put like, not because I didn't know the term for it was deconstruction, but it, you're right. It definitely happens like all the time, not just in the right. space.
1: Yeah. And, and another thing, and I always forget about this. And I've, there've been like two people who have brought it up. So it's not very well known, but some people, don't like the term deconstructing also because there are like philosophical views that they use the word deconstructing and it means something completely different oh, um so and i don't know a whole lot about that but it's like like i was talking to someone recently and he's like i just have such a hard time with that word because this is what i know about it and it's something he's studied in depth and i'm like well I get that, but also we have multiple words in the English language that mean multiple yes. things.
0: <laughs> English so. is the worst language. Oh yeah. It's so difficult. Yeah. But yeah, I have never I've only heard of the term um deconstructing as far as like what we're talking about today. I don't I don't even know of it in another way. So that's super mm-hmm. interesting too. Um so I saw a post of yours, I think it's it was kind of old. I was like doing some doing some more research for our podcast. I was like, what are the things she's talked about? And uh, you've made a post about the difference between deconstruction and redistrict, re- I'm going to say this word. Wrong. Reductionism. Reductionism. I was trying to put an S in there that was not there. <laughs> reductionism. So can you talk about that? Can you like also explain what redistrict, Reduction- reductionism? <laughs> I can't say that word. I don't know how I have a podcast. Okay. <laughs> can you explain a little bit what that means and like what the difference between those are? Sure, yeah.
1: Yeah, that was something I wanted to do a whole post on it, but I just like couldn't I don't know. It I think good. I mentioned it in like a deconstruction kind of post, but yeah um yeah, so this is something that occurred to me like as I was I don't know, I, I feel like I'm still deconstructing in some ways, but this was like in like the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Um one of the best examples of reductionism that comes to mind was something that um that I realized in college. So I it was a psychology major. So I know you went for that too. So psych like buddies. (laughs) Um, So naturally we learned about what happens in the brain when we have a religious experience, whether we're praying or worshiping or whatever. And it's easy to look at that and say, oh, well, religious and spiritual experiences are nothing but neurons firing in your brain. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what reductionism is. It's kind of like that this is all it is. And love is another example. Um, so you can say that love is nothing but a release of oxytocin and dopamine. Like that's all love is, but that's love according to biology. What about love according to sociology or theology or psychology? Um, so that's what I would say reductionism is. Gotcha. Um, whereas deconstruction is more of examining examining a belief Um, And like I said, like, how does it affect how you treat other people? Is it a belief worth keeping? That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I kind of have this metaphor for it. And it's not a perfect metaphor. So (laughs) I have to take it with a grain of salt. But the way I think of it is kind of like, okay, so you're building a house and you have your bricks and your mortar and you're putting in your windows and stuff. And that's not how you build a house, but that's how we're building this house. Mm -hmm. But you're building the house and you step back and you realize that the house is like leaning to one side. And of course you can't keep building the house because something is wrong. So deconstruction is kind of going in and taking it apart brick by brick to see where the problem is. Mm -hmm. Whereas reductionism is taking the whole house apart and being like, well, see this, this is why the house isn't working. It's nothing but bricks and mortar and glass. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, that makes so much sense. Yeah, so you just like can see like, reduction uh, this isn't why but deconstruction is like so much more than just like pinpointing this one thing it really is like deconstructing your beliefs
1: right it's not it's not reducing them to their elementary parts and being like well that's all there is to it it's something more meaningful than that but I think a lot of times people who deconstruct tend to just take on reductionism and that's their choice but I don't know that many people realize that they're doing that because it is like reductionism is a whole philosophical viewpoint but I think it gets intertwined with deconstruction a little bit Mm. because because of things like am I really worshiping or am I just being emotionally manipulated yeah you know I think I like I have that question a lot yeah but it's like I don't know it's I think it's hard to separate the two at times Mm -hmm. but it's at least important to know the difference
0: yeah i uh, i i laugh when you say that because um at my church i'll do like the hosting on sundays like i'll do like get on the platform and like welcome everybody give announcements and um a lot of times that means i'm also doing the giving portion like talking to people about giving <laughs> at church and i have like an existential crisis every sunday when it's time for me to do that and i'm like don't emotionally manipulate people. Don't manipulate people. Don't manipulate people, and I like freak out. I'm like, yeah. do not manipulate people into giving. And it's so hard sometimes. And I was, I tell my pastor that I'm like, I just like freak out every time that you ask me to do the giving part because like I ain't trying to manipulate anybody, but it also is important to talk about giving. Like I do believe that mm-hmm. is a very important part of like. My faith is tithing and like what Jesus has done for me, like through me giving. And so, but I always I'm like, well, if I share that story, is that manipulating someone that's like <laughs> gonna, good gonna happen for them because they gave I mean, Oh my god, I go through it every week. And, and it's the thought um, that counts though, right? <laughs> that's that's what they tell me. Our pastors are they're just like the fact that you're like this stressed about it, like number mm-hmm. one, calm down, it's fine. But like you care. Like I'm just glad you're thinking about it that way. And I'm like, yes, I just don't wanna like manipulate people. He's like, sharing your story is not manipulating. That's like mm-hmm. your lived experience and you're vulnerable or you're like vulnerable and like honest and genuine about it. So it's going to be fine. But I just laugh when you say the manipulation thing. Cause I'm like, yeah, <laughs> nope. I really worry that that's happening sometimes. And I really try not to do it. <laughs> um, I'm like, yeah. if I'm aware of it. Does that mean I'm not doing it? But anyways, it's, it's tough. Cause I think deeply about that. And anytime you talk about mm-hmm. money, it's hard to talk about it It so um anyway so what does um what would you say like a practical like deconstructing looks like like if someone's listening to this podcast and they're like you know I've never really truly evaluated my beliefs I've always just kind of like believe this one things like that's why I believe it and I'm definitely not saying anyone has to deconstruct but if they're just kind of like well I think I need to just to evaluate a little bit of why I believe what I believe, especially because I think we can get like in the motions of just kind of like doing the same thing all the time. And so sometimes you're just like, oh, well, why do I actually believe that? what I've always done. So why don't like, where does it actually come from? So what would you say to somebody who's like kind of in that space of thinking maybe, maybe an event wasn't triggered. Maybe they're just like, I think it's time for me to just like, you know, evaluate my beliefs. Like what does that look like practically?
1: Yeah, I well, it definitely looks different for everyone. I'll start mm-hmm. by saying that. Yeah. Uh, for me, I I kind of had like two phases of deconstruction. One was like the fundamentalist. What was that mm-hmm. deconstruction that was like years ago? And then about a year ago, I just had this like breaking point. Like it was building, 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 and then I was like, you know what? I this isn't what I believe, and I don't know what I believe. And so for me, I had to go back to you know, what is going to define how I move forward? Mm -hmm. And for me, that was, okay, is this true or is this not? And I had studied enough of like history and things like that to a point where I'm like, okay, I definitely believe Jesus was a real person. Mm -hmm. So the next question is, was he who he said he was? Mm -hmm. Because that, that defines the whole thing right there, whether I'm going to walk away or keep pursuing this. And, you know, ultimately, I came to the conclusion that he was who he said he was. Mm -hmm. And from there, that's kind of moving forward, like, a lot of what the next few months looked like was, like, really studying the Bible and finding resources that helped me understand the context of it, and especially Mm -hmm. the language and the culture, because that changes so much. Yeah. You can pick up an English Bible and read it and get the gist, but there's so much that is lost in translation. Yeah, yeah. And... I don't think we talk about that enough. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to talk about that because that's scary. And then we don't have all of these answer that, answers that we desperately want. Yeah. So I think finding your starting point, you know, figuring out, like, just bring it back. Like, okay, do you believe in Christianity? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe the Bible? Mm-hmm. And then just kind of going from there and exploring the different areas that you're unsure about. I know for a lot of people and for me part of my deconstruction was like tackling different political and social topics yeah like, what's going on here and what does this mean for how I live my life what does this look yeah. like because like I don't like I just don't think I should hate people and follow Jesus. Right. like I don't think those two things that doesn't together, go together so, right. right yeah and
0: so much I will say of like Christianity is like social justice and political like things like right. that's so much of it um so yeah yeah Sorry, yeah but- so finding your
1: starting point Um, Mm -hmm. figuring out what that looks like for you, because it just, it's so different for everyone. You know, a lot of people have hurt. And to that, I would say, you know, if it's something that you feel like is bothering you um, Mm -hmm. to the point where it's affecting your life, find counseling. Like, absolutely. And I would not recommend biblical counseling necessarily. I talk
0: about that a lot on my account um, for a lot of reasons, but would you, and you know, and biblical counseling is different than seeing maybe right. a licensed therapist who is a Christian, right? Like yeah, you're yeah. so biblical counseling is more like it's usually pastors.
1: Mm-hmm. So they've gone to seminary or they've studied the Bible or whatever. And like there's a whole, there's organizations you can go through to become a certified biblical counselor. And just the ethics of it, like ethics in quotations, mm-hmm. uh, is just really shady and yeah. it tends to be very manipulative. Yeah. And like the only intervention that is used is the Bible. Mm. And biblical counselors usually believe that the Bible holds all of the answers for life. Yeah. And I don't necessarily believe that. Yeah. Um, I don't think the Bible was intended to be used as a licensed therapist. Right. <laughs> I think we've been given right. the knowledge and every, the resources
0: and all of that to create yeah. those systems. So a big fan of like, we're going to pray about it and we are also going to go to therapy to learn practical tools and work through our trauma and do all the things while we are praying about it. Like, I feel like you can there's so much room for both. And I think I'm glad that we talked about the biblical counseling part of it because, um, personally, like, and I, and I also had heard some like not great experiences of people going to Christian therapists as well. Cause they would just mm-hmm. kind of lean more towards that rather than like giving the practical tools. I feel like I got really lucky because my Christian therapist was fantastic. Like, cause I, and I specifically, went to a Christian therapist because what I wanted to work through was my church hurt, which we'll talk about in mm-hmm. a minute. And I ne- I wanted my therapist to understand the dynamics of like church and church staff and things like that. Um, but she was great of like, we like, she definitely was asking about like my relationship with the Lord and stuff, but it wasn't just that, like we did brain spotting, which I loved and was a huge thing for me. And like my healing through my trauma. Um, uh, but we did a lot of like really practical things and working through them. But during that I did like my relationship with God did get stronger. Um, but we had a lot of the practical tools of therapy practices that someone who knows what they're doing, um, mm-hmm. rather than yeah. just like, let's just pray about it. I'm like, yeah, you can pray about it and also do these other things that God gave us because he gave us the minds to figure it out how to do it. So, right. And that's so hard. It is so hard to find
1: a, like, if you're looking for a counselor who is a Christian, Mm -hmm. it is so hard to find one who is not just like hiding behind that. Like, And I don't mean hiding behind it like they're evil. They they genuinely think that's what they're doing to help people. And some people are helped by that. But I think it's hard, especially if you're coming from a place of torture and deconstructing to find someone who is not going to be, is going to encourage you in that, but like not be biased and sort of like coerce you into different things, because that's, that's what their, how do I say, like their beliefs are that this is the best thing for you. Um, So, but I, I would definitely recommend counseling for someone who's been hurt to the point where it's affecting your life and obviously I recommend counseling to everybody but
0: <laughs> right right I mean you're about to be one um yeah you're about to be a counselor um yeah it's therapy literally like saved my life I don't mm-hmm. I was a disaster falling apart so it <laughs> definitely saved my life um so let's like get into talking about some of the church hurt now um like I feel like the term church hurt has been like very misunderstood for a long time um I think I can personally speak from that because I used to be the person that would judge people who said they had went through church hurt. Like I was definitely the person who was like, well, they just like, don't get it. They don't give us enough grace. Cause like, we can't help everybody, but like I, I would just, mm-hmm. they're not, they're not getting it. They're looking for every excuse for it to not be perfect or they expect us to be perfect. And so and like, I, I said those things like years ago, mm-hmm. highly, yeah. highly regret it and have learned and grown and changed and thank God for growth. And I have no problem admitting that. Um, so that's also why I feel like the term church has been misunderstood because I misunderstood it. Um, but like, do you agree with that? Do you feel like that has been like kind of misunderstood in a way of people are not really getting it? And can you also maybe talk a little bit about what you think? I guess, I don't even know if there's a technical definition of church, but like, what would you define church yeah. as? i I would say,
1: I think it gets misunderstood because a lot of people, they kind of they're like defensive, like they feel like they have to protect the yep. church. Totally. Um, so that's where a lot of that comes from. and I know um, you've talked about that before, yeah, um, but I would say, as far as the definition goes, church hurt is not Christians hurting people. That's not church hurt mm-hmm. to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Church hurt is people, it's Christians hurting people in the name of Jesus, like using Jesus as an excuse to, um, you know, justify harming people and excluding people and just like outright hating people, but then they call it love, which is kind of (laughs) weird. Um, but yeah, I would say when it's, it's tied to like, I'm using the Bible to justify, Mm. you know, whatever it is. Um, and I know there's a lot that could be in that blank, but you know, excluding people or kicking people out of churches for these reasons that are apparently biblical, but they're really not like, that's just blasphemy and it's hurtful to people. So that's what I would say would be church hurt.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing. Do you like feel comfortable or want to share like some of your, if you, I don't actually, I'm just assuming that you have church hurt, which probably is not a good assumption. Um, Do you, do you have experience with that? Would you like to like share some of that? Yeah, yeah, I definitely don't have a story that's like this
1: big thing happened. And, Mm. you know, I have this trauma and that sort of thing. Um, So I kind of, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of like minimizing (laughs) what I have experienced by saying that. But, you know, it just it wasn't just one event that Mm. I can look at and say, like, oh, this is my church hurt story. Uh, A lot of it came from the teachings of fundamentalism. um, And also, I think also like the greater evangelical culture, but I came from very fundamentalist spaces. So like for anybody who's not familiar with that term, you kind of see things like, like if you think about I Kiss Dating Goodbye and like courtship Mm -hmm. culture and Bill Gothard type of teachings and um, anything that deals with making women less than like anything in that area tends to be tied to fundamentalism and like shame culture and purity culture and all of that is wrapped up in it. So I think the teachings were a big part of it and was a big part of what led to my creating that account. Mm -hmm. Um, But within that culture, there were also a lot of things that were said to me and my family and my friends that just accumulated over time. Mm -hmm. And you can't control the things people say. I say that all the time to people, but when they're doing it and saying using it as a way of, well, this is what Jesus wants for you. You know, this is what God wants for your life. Yeah. I think you kind of have to call that out and be like, you know what, that's actually unacceptable. And since when do we justify being harsh to people? Right. By saying that's what Jesus wants. Right. So I think that was definitely part of it. And one of the most hurtful things that was said to me, and it was kind of said to me in multiple times in different ways, um, but it was by someone who had kind of observed and commented on my compassion Um, although they didn't really frame it that way they were just like like the thing they that this particular person had said once was it's like you just want to give everyone a pass. and I'm like well that's not what I'm doing like I wasn't saying anything that was unbiblical or like even against right what we believed at that time Mm. but like it was like they made my compassion to be unbiblical or a weakness or a sinful, wow. and I say that was one of the most hurtful things because uh. when I reached that breaking point last year, I I felt like I had to choose between following Jesus and being compassionate. Mm. And so when people say, "Oh well, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't people who, or it wasn't it wasn't Jesus who, who hurt you, it was people," mm-hmm. that just doesn't mean anything to me because yeah when people have taught you this view of Jesus, mm-hmm. it is Jesus hurting you, like their version of Jesus. Yeah. And it's just not a helpful phrase, but yeah. So that's kind of like a little, like the gist, like, I definitely can't get into a lot of details on here, oh, yeah, but no,
0: I don't want you to feel you have to, I'm, I'm wondering, I when you said the compassion thing, I'm, I'm wondering if this is maybe like me and you coming from the psychology background, but I've always felt like, And this, I think it's just maybe a gift. It sounds like that you have us. That's what I'm asking of like, I feel like I've always been able to kind of see like why someone did something like where that came from. Like, even if it's like, I'll share about the the pastor who abused people in my church in a minute, but like, I could, I could almost say like, oh, he did that because of this, this, and this. And so people would say like, kind of use the same thing of like, well, why are you just letting that go? I'm like, I'm not, but I'm, I can see why they did that kind of thing. Do you feel like it's kind of similar for you? You're like, oh, I can see why that person did A, B, C, and D. And you do have a little bit more compassion because of like, you feel like you can understand, maybe not understand like you've been in their shoes, but you mm-hmm. can see that you can see the other side of things.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, That's definitely something that like, as I'm thinking about it, there's, like, multiple layers to Mm -hmm. that for me, because on the one hand, and that was, that part of me was almost, like, really exploited in fundamentalism, not me personally, but just Mm -hmm. the things we were taught, because in that culture, it's, like, I was never taught this phrase, but a lot of people hear, like, keep sweet, like, Mm -hmm. you just, you always have to be nice, you always have to be kind, you always have to be understanding, you cannot be angry or sad or upset, Mm -hmm. and so, as, like, I, I guess a naturally compassionate person, that was always like, I kind of like wanted to let people off the hook because I thought I had to. So mm-hmm. I thought I had to get over things and let go of things that I should not have let go of or, you yeah. know, gotten over that quickly. Um, and I think that's why abuse tends to be so prevalent in those spaces, mm-hmm. because you you think you're not allowed to call someone out because everybody's sinful and yeah. everybody hurts people, but there's a line and we have to protect people. And if we're not protecting people, I believe that's sinful. Oh, absolutely, so, absolutely. Definitely, yeah, there's definitely that part of it. And then I think the other part of it is like, on the other hand, when I was trying to extend that compassion to other people in other groups that are not welcomed into the church, that was when it was like a bad thing and something I wasn't allowed to do or something that was sinful or whatever. But like, I just felt that, like, I just felt like that compassion and that empathy for people. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you
0: um did you have you watched the chosen yes okay do do you I loved it did you like it okay yeah I I definitely think like that came
1: into my life at a point where I I was like what do I believe like who is this Jesus and that really gave me such like obviously it's you know a movie or whatever yeah
0: but it it brought Jesus to life and I was like oh Jesus was compassionate. <laughs> oh, that's why. That's why I asked because I'm yeah. like, if you guys don't know, um, I'm gonna be give the biggest plug right now for the chosen. Um, it's a TV show that you can like a series that is completely crowdfunded, which I think is really cool. Um, but it's like a, you can watch it through like downloading the app. But it like is a story of Jesus and talks about his disciples and I, a lot of like. Jesus movies or Jesus TV shows are like super cheesy and like, don't show Jesus like accurate in my opinion, but this show is like the most, I feel like the most accurate, like depiction of Jesus that I feel like I've seen. And it's like not cheesy at all. Um, I love that it starts out the story with Mary. And sh- so I think in the beginning it shows that Jesus cares about women. Um, but just like, like you said, it brought Jesus compassion to life. Like, that's what I was picturing when you said that it's just the way that it, shows Jesus and how he is and acted towards people and the compassion that he had, I think is just so good. Cause I don't know guys, if you're anything like me, I, my reading comprehension isn't always the best, but if I watch something, I'm like, oh, I got it. It's in my head. I can see it. And so sometimes when I read the Bible, I get lost in the words and the context. And I'm like, this is kind of confusing to me. Um, sometimes I'll have to read the message version, which I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions on. It helps me understand things sometimes when it goes over my head. Um, and so watching like this, the chosen, like really helped, like you said, bring Jesus to life for me. Um, Cause you see how compassionate he was. Um, so I just, if I, I also agree that was a really big, like part of, part of even my deconstruction and it came years after it happened for me, but just seeing Jesus, like the way he acted, I was like, yeah, this was, I think that was it. I think that's how that, that went down. Yeah. And, um, it just was so good. Um, I did want to share just a little bit real quick of kind of what I went through. Um, cause my, my like deconstruction came from an event. Um, I was working on a church staff and the executive pastor of the church that I was like working at. And I looked up to him and thought that like, if I could be him one day, like that's it. Um, I, he, it came out that he was abusing my best friend. who was also my roommate. I lived with her. And he had like been abusing her for like eight years. It was a really long time. Um, And it was really traumatic and really awful. And when everything started coming out the it came out that like it had been brought to the pastor's attention before that things were weird and he just was like no that could never happen and um it was just like really awful and we weren't ever given any kind of like here's some therapy for you here's like you know to help the other people because he was our executive pastor like he was he wasn't there on staff at the time but he had just left but still like we you know looked up to him and he hurt a lot of us on staff and um and so it's like it was really rough the abuse and everything was really bad and so i went through like a lot of like really intense trust issues and trauma and even talking about it now is hard you know mm-hmm. and so my all of my like stuff from that um and deconstruction honestly is still even ongoing because it's really confusing to me how someone can do all this and also still be a pastor he is still a pastor of a church Um, and I don't even know how, honestly, I get really angry about that. Like every, about every month I have a moment of like freak out and I'm like, how can you do this? Um, and then that's why you tried to get it like, Lord, why do we let these things happen? But I don't know what he went through. I don't know if he like had some big redemption moment. I have no idea. He did lose his license. So I don't, I really don't actually know how he is. But anyways, (laughs) it's, I'm like, how can that happen? But I went through a lot of like, you know, we are quote supposed to be in one of the, like, you know, I don't even know. I was going to say the safest places you could be in my mind. Church was my safe Mm -hmm. place. So it was like, I was in the safest place I could be. And this like person abused someone so close to me. And I also was like manipulated and, you know, the way that he treated the staff was just really terrible. And so it was just like, how can that happen? And how is church like actually a good place when also, the way that like we responded to the abuse was like criticized by leaders at the church too. And that a lot of people didn't believe the story. And so it was just so much like, how, how do you, how do you go on from there? Like, how is God still good? And I just remember like really trying to figure out like, okay. Cause I was someone who, like I said, I just kind of wrote off like, people not coming to church or calling out harmful things is like Mm -hmm. not getting it. And so it was a big like moment for me to kind of put myself in other people's shoes and realize like, okay, we're not perfect. Church isn't perfect. um, But it's deeper than that. Like we really have to work to call out these things and not allow these things to continue to happen. And then it was really confusing to me because I'm very much like, I think everyone deserves a place in church. And so I'm like, I guess I would want that person who abused that pastor who abused people to, I guess, be right. in church, and I guess they should be there too. And then my mind just starts like exploding. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh God, I don't know. I yeah. don't think he should be a pastor. I don't think that's fair after what he did. Right. But you know, still, should I guess be in church? And that's when it gets really confusing, and my head hurts, and makes me mm-hmm. want to fall up in a you know little fetal position. And just, yeah, like, yeah, definitely. I don't understand, but I think that's part of it. You know, is the deconstruction is like you're like still figuring it out, I guess. And coming to the mm-hmm. point like, I don't have all the answers and I don't know, but it's like still really hard and stuff. So yeah, that was a lot. Sorry. I just kind of like word vomited all that out. Um, but I have not talked about that in a while. And I feel like if I ask you to share yours, I'm going to share mine. So only fair. Um, but I am curious to know from like your experience, cause I'll talk about some of mine, like how do you, you know, if you decide, I guess that you still want to believe in Jesus? Like, how do we, how do we keep our faith during all this? Cause that was like, I feel like the hardest part for me was like mm-hmm. keeping that, you know, when I was going through all of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, well, it, it's another one of those things that it's definitely different for everybody, but I think an overall advice I would give is pay attention to what makes you really uncomfortable. And I know a lot of times in church we'll say things like, um, you know, you kind of like this, you just have to tolerate it attitude, like you need to be in church. And if you're uncomfortable, that's your problem. And you need to yeah. figure it out. Yeah. And I believed that for a long time. And so I stayed in church. And I stayed in situations where, you know, I was not, it just wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm. And I was, I finally got to the point where I was like, you know, I shouldn't be sitting here every Sunday, convincing myself not to be angry, mm-hmm. because there were a lot of things going on that I shouldn't have had to tolerate and I had done what I could to address it but I couldn't sit there and be angry anymore and I just also got to the point where I'm like I don't think this is the Christian thing to do is sit here and tell myself to not be angry about something that I should be angry about yeah so for me um I mean I went to different churches during like that big deconstructing time but it got to the point where I had to be honest with myself and take a step back because church was not helping it didn't matter what Mm -hmm. church I went to um you know new churches old churches whatever because (laughs) I don't want to say because there were problems everywhere that's not really what I mean but there it was just so much like it it felt like I couldn't hear myself think and so I had to take a step back from church and figure out not only what I think church should look like but what on earth do I believe
0: yeah and church was not a helpful thing in that time and I think that's so good for you to bring that up too, because I remember when we were trying to find like another church to go to after the church that we were part of had closed, I was like nitpicking everything. Yes. <laughs> like nitpicking hard. And it was like, I'm never going to land somewhere and it's going to be my fault. Not like, honestly, I'm like, I'm getting, mm-hmm. like you said, like I'm getting, where well, you didn't say it exactly, but getting in my own way. Cause like I right. am, you know, nitpicking every little thing that like, you know, some stuff matters that I was nitpicking, but other things was like, mm-hmm. Anna, calm down. Like it's that, that, no, you were, you're reaching. Like I was reaching, I was looking for every place to hurt me because it was going to help me help fuel my like righteous anger, which is what my therapist helped me work through. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. I was like feeling, I was like wanting that to fuel me and mm-hmm. be justified in my anger, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think that's so good. You're able to recognize that like, that was not helping you out. Like that Mm -hmm. was, that was hurting you. You needed to kind of take a step back and like work through some of that, you know, figure out what you, you know, not what you believe, but you were deconstructing. So figure Mm -hmm. out like how to be in church again by taking a step back. I I love that you, you know, you know, talked about that because I think that's so important.
1: Right. Yeah. And, And in that space, because when you're deconstructing, you're like evaluating things, but you're also kind of like trying on new beliefs. And I don't mean that in like a, I don't know, like a superficial way, like, oh, it's no big deal. But like, you're like, I, I think I believe this. I'm pretty sure this is what's true, but it's very new. Yeah. And that makes you super sensitive. Mm-hmm. And so to go to church and the pastor say something like just a teeny tiny, a little bit wrong, mm-hmm. that can, can just, you know, righteous anger flares up and yeah. you're like, this is terrible, yep. what whatever, whatever, <laughs> yep. you know, yep. whatever the response is. Yep. And. I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong, but I think it's okay to take a step back and let those beliefs sink in, figure out where you are because you're not going to feel that way forever. You're not going to feel so sensitive and vulnerable forever.
0: Right. And I think it also took me personally finding kind of the right church and word church environment to help me realize that too, because like my pastor, I remember one of the first things he said, like when we started coming was he would say like, we don't have to agree on everything. I don't, I like, we're Mm -hmm. not going to agree on everything and that's okay. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I can disagree <laughs> with like something that you said, like, that's okay. And he's like, yeah, that that's like being human and normal. And that helps each of us also grow too by disagreeing. And he's like, and it's like, as we agree that Jesus is Lord and savior and like the way he treats people, we can agree on that. Like the rest of the stuff he's like, no, that doesn't matter. Cause it definitely matters, but it's like, it's not like life or death here. Like we can, mm-hmm. we can, we can disagree and it's fine. And I realized I really needed to be in a space that like welcomed that because I, you know, I would get mad if I like disagreed with something and then, you know, it's like, okay, but that's okay. Like, you know, not, and I'm not talking about like, I'm not about little things. Like you said, like, like one little comment or something, whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about like big deal issues. Right. So I just wanted to make make that clear. Um, But yeah, so I I think like kind of going back to our question of how do we keep our faith in God while experiencing this hurt? I think that's such a good perspective of like kind of taking a step back from the church to help you because it, like you said, wasn't helping your situation. Mm -hmm. I would, I would say my experience with it was like, um, honestly going to therapy was really big for me to keep my faith in God because like I, like I said, I had a great, have a great therapist. She's, but, and part of us was like part of our therapy sessions did talk a lot about like God and my relationship with God, which I asked for. So like, I was very clear, like she wasn't just putting this in front of me all the time. I was like, Hey, I need you to talk about this with me. So I, cause I still want to be a Christian. So like, help me, help me still like love Jesus. And so like during our session, she would like, if we'd be doing like brain spotting kind of, I don't, I can't even explain what brain spotting is. I should be able to explain it. It's like, you look at a wall and your brain. That's weird. I don't know. It's a, tra- it's a therapy technique that works. It's, I don't Do you know, what, I don't do you, did you study brain spotting in school?
1: Not in depth. Um, actually, I remember you talking about it and mm-hmm. something it's sort of like with like free association. Right.
0: Like you kind yes. of look at something and whatever comes to mind. Yes. You talk about that. Talk about it. Yeah. And usually you're like triggered. I may use that word because it's like you feel it somewhere in your body and then you like bring mm-hmm. that down by like talking through it. Um, I'm glad that you said that. I was like, I can't even begin to explain how this works, but it worked for me. So like, I that's all I got. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of it, she would always say like, "Okay, now let's bring like Jesus into this conversation. Like, let's bring Jesus into this picture." Which I asked her to do. Make that clear. And mm-hmm. she was like, "Let's bring Jesus in here. Like, where is he at? Like, what is he saying to you? How do you feel around him?" And that was like a real big like help for me because I was able to really process like. Okay. Maybe in that situation, I was mad at Jesus. Okay. Then like the next session I was like, no, I actually feel really comforted by Jesus right now. And really like having a safe place, like work through all of those emotions was like huge for me um, because I was like actually working on them rather than just sitting and being mad. Cause I definitely sat and was mad and like, didn't have any kind of relationship for a long time. I would think like, I was like, okay. So that was really helpful for me was having you know, like my therapist bring that up, um, which like I said is different than biblical counseling and I asked for it. So yes. yes. Um, but that was that was big. Um let's uh transition a little bit to talk about like how we can help our like friends, you know, loved ones who are going through this right now. Like what are some ways that we can like be there for them, serve them, like treat them even.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing is to just listen like, Mm. just listen. Um, Because, you know, we kind of, we say things like this in the deconstructing community where it's like, nobody chooses to deconstruct. Like, nobody wants this. Yeah. Because it is hard and it is painful. And especially coming out of more of, like, the fundamentalist spaces or, like, fire and brimstone, you know what's on the line. Like, you know the threat of eternal conscious torment (laughs) if you're wrong, you know? So, it's hard. <laughs> Nobody wants to do it. Yeah. Um, so I'd say really listen to them. And if there's any part of you that's like feeling like you need to like check their work and make sure their theology is within reason and that sort of thing, and they have not invited you to do that, mm. just stop. Yeah. Don't do that. Because like, think about what you're doing. You're putting yourself in a position where you're saying, I have a handle on the truth. Mm-hmm. You're the one who's straying. Mm. And
0: that's can't <laughs> get you anywhere good right so they um, don't need one more person telling them that they're like yeah. wrong or that this is shameful or this is bad like I feel like there's often like no room for nuance and deconstruction mm-hmm. to me is like all of nuance like everybody's <laughs> like you're going back and forth constantly trying to figure it out like that's beautiful I think that you're trying to figure it out and we don't mm-hmm. like you said you don't need somebody saying like we well, are wrong it's like Can you let me get there on my own, at least if if I am wrong or, you know, i put wrong in quotes because whatever, because we could, you know, go back and forth on what's right or wrong all day. But you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. let me figure it out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And on that note, if they're at the point of deconstructing, they know all the arguments already. Yeah. There's nothing you can tell them that's going to be like, oh, wow, I never thought of that. No, these are all the things we know. And finally, we finally gotten to the point where those reasons aren't good enough. So I would say listening, um, respect them if they don't want to confide in you. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was something that like most people in my life did not know I was going through this. And I would say almost everyone in my life did not know that Mm -hmm. I was going through this because again, like I knew myself and I knew I was really sensitive to certain things. Mm -hmm. And I I was just in a spot where like, I couldn't talk to someone and even have them respectfully disagree. Mm -hmm. I knew myself enough that that was just going to hurt and make me mad yeah so I waited until I got to a point where I'm like hey you know I've been thinking about these things and I was very selective of who I shared those things with Mm -hmm. so I think listening respecting um you know just imagining what it must be like to get to a point in your life where you're questioning everything yeah so
0: And it's like, you know, they don't want to be in that place either. Like they Mm -hmm. don't, I don't think they would choose to be in a place where they're like questioning everything. And so just showing like compassion and like you said, listening and just like being like a supportive hand of like, Hey, I'm just like here to listen. If you want to share what you're going through, I'm not going to give my advice or my input. I'm just going to be like, yeah, yeah, I get it. You know, Mm -hmm. just sometimes even hearing that is helpful if you're like wanting to share with people, you know, but I think it's so good too, that you recognize like the self-awareness of like yeah, I'm not going to be in a good place, even if someone respectfully disagrees. Like, I think that's also mm-hmm. important too, to like have some awareness with that, um, which I think is is just important and helpful in all this as well. Cause you don't want to like be continuing to like accidentally hurt yourself, you know, right? <laughs> you know, you're not trying yeah. to, so it's good to like recognize like, oh, these things are harming me. So like, I just need to take a step back and like not talk yeah. to people about it. Um, yeah. It
1: took a while of like, there was one person that I can think of who I often shared these thoughts with. And it just got to the point where I'm like, how many times do I have to get so mad at this person before I realize I shouldn't talk to them about these things? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. and it wasn't like they were doing anything wrong, but mm-hmm. it was just that point of like, I was so sensitive to it that I'm like, you know what, I, I need to not yeah. talk about these things right now.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. And what would you say, or like what kind of quick advice could you give somebody who is wanting to like, you know, go back to church. Like they feel like they're at the place now where they're like, okay, I do want to go back to church and like do this. Like what kind of, like, what, how do we do that? Like what, what like kind of encouragement would you give them if they're like in that place?
1: I would say really
0: scary. Right. Thinking from experience is very scary personally. (laughs) Definitely. And
1: I think it's sort of like the same advice I would give to someone looking for a counselor. Yes. (laughs) That like, you might not get it on the first try, like those type type of things. Um, But I think knowing what you want out of a church, Mm. um, both things like, you know, maybe you really care about the kind of music or how big it is or whatever, but also structural things like who makes the decisions, Mm. who checks the pride of the person who's in charge. Like if there's one person who's preaching all the time or whatever it is, is there anyone who checks their pride? Because if not, that's almost always going to end badly. Mm -hmm. um so thinking about the way the church is structured um yeah just like really knowing what you want out of it and also realizing like you said you're not gonna it's it's scary and you might walk into a church and absolutely hate it and it might be the most awful thing but that's okay and there are so many churches out there um unfortunately in a lot of more like rural places it's harder to find yeah a church that maybe aligns with your values yeah but um there's always I mean if if it's something you really want in your life there's also online communities and it's not the same thing but it's something and maybe yeah. that will be more helpful to you than going to one of the
0: local churches that doesn't align with what you're looking for yeah yeah And um, I think that's so good. And knowing too, that like it may not work on the first try. Like I remember like when we were starting to find like another church, which was also very weird. Like I grew up in church my whole life, like like going to church for the first time. I, I moved around a lot. And so like we did have to go to churches for the first time, but I was like with my family. So it felt different than like, I was like, I'm 25 years old now trying to find a church for myself. Like that feels really weird. And it gave me an interesting perspective. Cause like I worked at like a fairly large church for like five years. So like I was as you know in- involved as you could be. And I think that was also a little bit har- harmful for me <laughs> trying to find another church. Cause I like knew all the things, but I remember yeah thinking and praying. I'm like, Lord, just let me be the first tribe. let it be the first place and like done easy check Mark. And the Lord was like, no, <laughs> or at least maybe he didn't say no, but I just didn't pick the right place, I guess. Cause we went to yeah. this for like, for like two months straight and not one person talked to us. It was bizarre. Like we even served at one of their events and they still didn't speak to us. Like, and there was awesome. only like, 10 or 11 people serving at this event. And it was just the five people who knew each other and like me and my like couple friends. And like no one ever came over and spoke to us. Isn't that insane? Mm-hmm. That is weird. Like I was like, because I love the, I love the speaking and the pastor and like I love the worship. And I was, but I really wanted a community. And it was like, nope not there. No one wanted to speak to us, And I was like, do I have a sign on my head that says, don't talk to me? (laughs) Yeah, really. But after that experience of like trying to get involved somewhere again, I, I was like, after we kind of was like, okay, guess we're not going to go there anymore. And that was again, kind of traumatizing of like, well, I tried one place for a couple months and it didn't work out. And we like, I feel like we tried as much as we could. Like we went to the events to serve at, like we talked to the people and people were just like, weren't talking back. And I was like, okay. Um, And I remember, you know, just trying to, after that happened, we were like, well, we'll try a couple other churches. And I remember feeling so much anxiety going to church. And I was, that was such like a check for my spirit. Cause I, when I used to like judge people for that, I just really, truly didn't get it. And I was like, man, like this one place that I love, like just the idea of going to it is like giving me so much anxiety. It was just, it was just Mm -hmm. bizarre. So I also want to say like, be gentle with yourself. Like if you're wanting to go back like give yourself grace, be be really gentle because this stuff is hard. <laughs> yeah. This stuff is hard. And I wasn't prepared personally to be experiencing anxiety going back to a place that I like loved. Like it was very, it was very strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, let's hit like, we're just gonna hit like the uh, one. We're gonna do one Q&A because um, we're getting right up to an hour. So um, I really liked this question and I thought it was great. So someone said, I love Jesus and being part of my church, but I'm still going through my own deconstruction. I struggle with the control and pressure to be and live a certain way or you won't be accepted. How does one address these conflicting feelings? Which I think a lot of us can relate to that too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um,
1: yeah, I I can relate to being in those spaces. Um, I think part of it is, I don't know how I would answer this question would be, maybe you don't need to manage the conflicting feelings, Mm. but embrace them. So if you love Jesus and want to be part of a church, maybe it's time to find a church where you're not going to be pressured to live a certain way, other than following Jesus, Mm. you know, and of course, that terminology is used everywhere. But, you know, to the best of your ability, what does it look like to follow Jesus and find a church that aligns with that? Because you shouldn't Aside from that, aside from being encouraged to love and be compassionate and all of these things that Jesus did, like aside from living as Jesus did, you shouldn't be pressured to perform or live any kind of certain life when you're in church. You know, I can think in some really fundamentalist churches that I've been in where it's like, if you say you have a TV, people kind of like take a step back and they're like, oh, like, but do you have cable? <laughs> you know, it's like this weird or like in some spaces, it's like homeschooling, like everybody homeschools. And if your kids go to public school, it's like, oh, okay. And I just don't think that's healthy. I don't think that's biblical or what it looks like, what church should look like. So
0: that would be my answer. Yeah. I think that's so good saying like embracing them rather than feeling like you have to manage them. I, um I, and I, I feel for this person writing in the message or writing in this question, because I just like, remember when I lived in the South, like I very much felt like I had to like act and look a certain way, a hundred percent. Like I would have to like, you know, if I had a bottle of wine at the house, I would like hide it. If people were coming over, like, even though I would like drink like one glass of wine every couple of weeks, like, cause I just liked the taste of wine you know Mm -hmm. I but I felt like I had to like hide that like I felt like I had to like look perfect all the time because that's what was expected of me and that's like so not what we're supposed to do we're supposed to live an authentic life and um so I just like because I feel like I don't exactly know what this person is is referring to but I just can like relate to that so much and and even your examples of like having a tv or not even homeschooling like I agree like it shouldn't be that kind of like um you know, feeling like I have to act and be a certain way. It's like, we just want to be our authentic selves. And yeah. um I, and, you know, embracing that and trying to find a place where you feel like you can be your authentic self, I think is so good. So, yeah, I agree with that. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Tori. This was awesome. I like had such a good time. Like talking about all of this. I feel like this is we could talk about forever. Like, yes, I like, absolutely. I'm like, there's so many more things I wanted to say, but you know, I want to respect your time and respect our listeners time. So, um, but where can people follow you at? I think they definitely need to go follow you on Instagram, but where can they follow Thank you? you?
1: So I am on Instagram at the Christian advocate. It's all one word. And I always tell people, I didn't choose that because I am the Christian advocate, but because I think advocacy has a huge part in our lives as followers of Jesus. Absolutely.
0: It's so good. Yeah. And I will link her um, Instagram in the episode notes. So you guys can very quickly go follow her and, or go hit the link and then hit follow. So give Tori a follow. Uh, You guys are going to love her stuff. I know it. So thank you so, so much for being on the podcast, Tori. Um, I just had such a good time talking about this with you. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, friends. Love you guys so much. I hope you have the best week and we will talk soon.